she walked outside after we'd had a bit of a chat and sat down with her cuppa and, and I just said, see, started walking out the gate and she just like hollered at me and she was like, don't you go home and don't you go backwards, girl. And the way she said it was just, yeah, it was music to my ears. Hello and welcome to Life on the Land, a Grazy Her podcast telling stories about rural and regional women across Australia. I'm Emily Herbert and I'm your host for this episode. Our guest for today's show is Grace McLeod, a young farmer from Western Victoria. If you fancy a McLeod's daughter's joke, she's already beat you to it. Often seen on horseback with her three working dogs never far behind, she lives her own version of Drover's Run every day. Grace is currently managing her family's two properties, which straddle the Victorian and South Australian border. With around 6,000 acres of arable and 2,000 acres of grazing for just under 3,500 head of sheep, it's been a busy three years since Grace came back to work on the farm full-time. Grace very kindly drove into town to get reception for this conversation, stealing her parents' Wi-Fi to get the job done. I loved how candid and vulnerable Grace was in this interview. We cover a vast range of topics, from mental ill health and the challenges of isolation on the farm, this year compounded by COVID-19 and properties separated by a state border, to the importance of travel beyond the farm gate to gain new perspectives. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I loved having it. So we actually bought the farm that we run now, part of it, um, off my auntie and uncle. They were farming out there before we did. And yeah, dad bought some land off them. He bought 11 acres to start with where we live, where they live now. But yeah, initially he was an electrician and I think he had an uncle as a kid who was a farmer and he just loved going out and having visits out there and that's where his little passion started. And now, yeah, he's running 8,000 acres by himself sort of thing and it's a real success story and it's, yeah, it's pretty special and he always says that he's, you know, never done anything with his life but I constantly remind him that I'm like, "Mm, not many people have done that, Dad, sort of thing. So pretty cool. I understand that you lived in a shed for a little while when you first moved out there as yeah. a family. What was yeah. that like? That was the best ever. <laughs> I even talk about this day that I just want to live in a shed because it's just simple. You know, I love off the grid, roughing it sort of stuff. But yeah, we grew up, we lived 12 months, if not more in the shed. And then we had a little car- old caravan um, on the back of it as our kitchen and yeah, we just had a lot of fun, like all us kids, four of us kids crammed in there with mum and dad. And at the time they were like building the house too. So we had this big puzzle playground at the same time. But yeah, it was just a lot of fun. We had lots of adventures and um, it was just really fun to be a kid. You know, like there'd be a snake in the shed or something and it'd just be a huge ordeal for the family to get this snake out of the shed. And it was just good. It was good times. And did you always think that you'd end up back on the land? Um, I don't think consciously I did. I just swung that way. I loved being outdoors and as, as dad got more land and become more of an established farmer, I got to spend a lot more time with him and work with him and, and I loved the work and I loved the physical work and yeah, I just fell in love with farming and the land and I've always come back to it and, and 
and now here I am. So I don't think I had anything set in stone, but it's just the way it's paid out. So, yeah. So after school, you came back and you did your farming apprenticeship there and it was pretty hard yakka, as it generally is. You know, <laughs> what was the catalyst for you deciding to, to get off the place and, and go and explore the world around you a little bit more? I just wanted, I wanted new experiences and I wanted, I wanted more, I guess you could say. I think the farm was sort of holding me back in a way from a young age where I was so excited about the world and and still am and still excited about new experiences and possibilities and opportunities. And I just wasn't getting that fix at that age. I think it just took um, seeing my mates, having that um, freedom to do whatever they wanted, whereas I was sort of a bit more restricted with the farm and, and with certain seasonal work and things like that, where, you know, summertime you couldn't go skiing, you couldn't go doing, um, some camping and think just just simple stuff that you sort of felt a bit deprived of when you couldn't go and you sort of had to say no you know I've got to stay home I've got to work. And so what gave you the permission to to get out and spark that travel bug? (laughs) Um, My dad first yeah he um, I would always carry on about um, ideas and dreams and and things I wanted to do places I wanted to go Um, all that sort of stuff. And I just remember I was just out at work and I was probably just chewing dad's ear off. He just, I just remember he turned around and he was just like, why don't you just stop talking about it and go bloody do it. And it was just so blatantly simple like that. And I was just like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And um, yeah. And that was the permission I needed, I guess. Like he, he never told me I couldn't go. He never said you got to wait or anything like that. I think just being on a family farm and, and being such a big family girl, I needed that. I needed that little, just like, yeah, we'll go on then go talk the talk but walk the walk kind of thing so sometimes we do need that permission slip from others to to really grasp yeah. all by the horns so yeah. to say. so you took off to yeah. broom and- for a year and and then spent the next five years or so traveling around australia canada the states what were some of the the greatest lessons that you learned during that time gosh i had a lot but the greatest and probably the biggest one that comes to mind would just be to be yourself I think I had a lot of experiences where, yeah, you're vulnerable. You're surrounded by new people, new faces, um, new places. Yeah, you quickly learn that if you're not yourself and if you don't step up and stand up for yourself and not in an aggressive way by any means, but just be yourself and own it, you get a lot of respect from that and people people get to know you um, for your true self too. And and it's just, yeah, it's just really important so would you say that those years traveling were pretty defining for you? Yeah, definitely. And especially in my younger years of traveling, like I, like when I say traveling, I didn't by any means travel the world or anything like that. But for example, the first job that I had off the farm, I went and did a, some contract harvesting up near Moree. And I just remember before I went, I fully talked myself out of it. I was like, you don't know these people. Why are you going to go do this? Like, I don't think I was even 18 then. And I remember being like, I'm going to ring Roy today. So he was the fellow that I was going with. And I was like, I'm going to tell him that, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come kind of thing. And then I just turned around. I was like, what are you doing? Like you're going and you're doing this. Like, And I did. And I just remember having the best time and learning so much about myself and my skills and that you're capable and, and it just snowballed from there. 
Yeah, contract contract harvesting in more is a long way from working as an instructor at, at Camp America in the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it really does snowball from there. It does, yeah, definitely. And so in 2015, you, you suffered a bit of a heartbreak, as we are wont to do in those formative years, and you escaped yep. up north to Queensland to Nanny and Jillaroo for a little bit. What was that time like for you? I would definitely describe that as a pretty defining moment, um, time, sorry. And I definitely had some, some pretty heavy moments and heavy um, experiences up there that, that I value a lot to this day. And In terms of like a, those heavy moments or those heavy experiences, what do you mean by that? Yeah, more so um, confronting, confronting conversations. You're not in the safety of your own community or around people that know you and know how you work, know what you're capable of. So you're just put back to zero kind of thing. I was just so vulnerable at the time and so full of doubt that there'd be a simple task that I would question my ability to to do it. Then people, especially my boss, noticed that vulnerability and probably played on it a little bit and pushed me to an extent that I needed. And it was till I got that point where I was pushed too far that I sort of stood up for myself and, and realised my worth and that I was capable and that all these thoughts and emotions that were flushing through my head at the time didn't mean, didn't mean Jack. To me at the time, it was such a big deal. And it would be something as simple as my boss not letting me muster because there wasn't enough bikes. And I love my bosses. Like we're such good friends, friends for life. And um, yeah, I value them immensely, but they were definitely yet yeah, testing out my character. And yeah, I just remember this one day there wasn't enough bikes for everyone to ride. So BJ said to me, he's like, Oh Grace, you're going to have to sort of just tag along in the ute. And I was like, I'll be stuffed if I'm just sitting in the ute kind of thing. Like I'm here to do some work. And I just remember, like I said to him, and it, it was just moments like this where I could have easily just sulked and been like, yep, no worries. I'll just sit in the ute and tag along. But I knew that he wanted more from me and he wanted, he wanted me to be like, no, I'll ride the bike or, you know, and, um, I knew they had two wheelers in the shed and I said, well, I could jump on one of the two wheelers and he, really put it to me and he's like do you even know how to ride a two-wheeler and I just felt like just flipping him the bird and being like I'll show you kind of thing and um and I did and and I just remember getting on that bike and mustering and I remember the respect that BJ showed me after that because I showed up and I think sometimes the outback just wants you to toughen up and show up and and I think there was a lot of time there where I wasn't ready. And then when, once I was, I really did. I really did show up. I come away my best self. Yeah. And I understand that a mentor of yours gave you some words of wisdom as you were leaving. So I sort of, I, I said to them that I was going to go home for Christmas and I didn't know that I was, if I was going to come back sort of thing. And I just remember walking out the door and she come out, she walked outside after we'd had a bit of a chat and sat down with her cuppa and, and I just said, see you, like, I'll see you later and, and um, started walking out the gate and she just like hollered at me and she was like, don't you go home and don't you go backwards, girl. And, and she really, the way she said it was just, yeah, it was music to my ears. And she was like, I seen the girl that you arrived as and I see the girl that you're leaving as. And, 
she's like, don't you go backwards. And it was special. We'll be back with Grace in just a moment, but first a word from today's sponsor. A Grazier Herd's day often starts early and can be full of hard, exhausting and rewarding work, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Just Country offers gear for out here, designed to keep up with the demands of life on the land, whether that's graziers, broadacre or hobby farmers, through to rural community groups and committees. Established in 1995, Just Country has spent many years perfecting the fit and durability of its range of work shirts, which are available in a huge assortment of colours, from classic blue to pops of bright colours and a more recent range of fun patterned work shirts. If you'd like to find out more about their range of products or find a retailer near you, head to justcountry.com.au. I come home from Canada, I hit the ground running literally. We had a bumper year the year prior and they'd only finished harvest in March, which is a whole other story. Um, I think I come home in May. Yeah, just hit the ground running. We were still playing catch-up jobs from harvest and that whole year just snowballed into itself because then Dad, not long after me getting home, he went and had both his knees replaced he had 12 months off the farm. So it was just my cousin and I running the farm and it was just hectic. (laughs) It was not because of work, but just because we were already behind from the year before. And I'd put so much pressure on myself to do a good job and to not drop the eight ball. And um, it was just a pretty intense year. I've got a few grey hairs going on and I'm pretty sure they sprouted that year. (laughs) for you what was that like supporting your dad I would like to say it was easy and it was great and I was fully 100% there for him um but I wasn't I was I was too busy um trying to keep everything afloat at work and I think it was hard to support dad because he was really struggling himself and I also needed support from him with what my work was now entailing like I had full responsibility it was really hard to support one another. I think too, like he struggled with his mental health during that year and he struggled to communicate with me and I struggled to communicate with him because of it. And looking back, it, it was, it, I would do things differently. Um, but you can't change, you can't change the past and anything like that, but I'm glad I had that experience and I'm glad that we've done a 360 from it. It was a hard year for dad especially and yeah it was just a hard year for me too. Well mental health is such a prevalent subject regionally and rurally. What are some signs and symptoms you feel that people can look out for in their loved ones and and what can they do about it if they feel things aren't quite on track? I think especially being your loved ones you should know them fairly well. Um, You sort of know what sort of moods they are in and things like that so when you see abnormal behavior and and you see um yeah them sort of retracting into themselves a bit don't be afraid to just ask them what's going on like you don't seem yourself are you okay all those sort of things obviously and then just follow it up with being there for them and and I think that's all well and good for me to say that but at that time I wasn't that kind of person for dad I was I've got shit going on (laughs) like 
you sort of need to figure out yourself. And then when you do, I'm over here busting my ass kind of thing. <laughs> and that was literally, I know, like that's saying it bluntly, and but that's how it was for us then. I needed him to step up and he needed support. So we were each other's enemy um, a little bit. And I hate to say that, but we were. And um, I've also learned a huge amount from it. And and we communicate so much better than we did back then. And, and dad's um, doing super well, even though his knees aren't great. Like he's, he's done a 360 and he's, um, yeah, he's, things are good. So, yeah. Well, it can be so tricky during that initial succession time, coming home, trying to balance communication skills, family emotions, working dynamics, and often uncommunicative old school farming dads. <laughs> you know, what was that yeah. like? Did you, you had a couple of blow up moments, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It took us breaking point for us to make changes. It is really hard, especially being a farming, I have a family farm, you there's so much more emotion and, and it's personal. Everything's personal kind of thing. Like it's easy to get caught up in saying the wrong thing or, or, or not communicating properly and things like that. But honestly, just like the best thing that I've probably learned is to just keep talking. And, and dad and I, especially like we never leave things unresolved. If we do have a, you know, if we do have words or if we don't see eye to eye or we've got difference of opinions, it's always comes back to the end of the day. Like we love each other and we support each other and, and we're a lot more aware of each other now. And, 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 and we're a lot more aware that, we are different and that's totally okay. Like, and I think there was probably, especially that year, I was probably a bit gung ho with things like I want to make changes and I want to see improvement and I want to progress. And whereas dad's just like, well, you just got here. Like I've been here for 20 years doing this. Like, um, hold your horses. So it takes, um, communication but also reflect on yourself and reflect on the way that you're approaching things because there was definitely times there that yeah I didn't approach things well and and um I've learned from that and I like to think that I'm I'm doing a lot better job these days but it's all it's all life and it's all a learning curve and yeah do you have any systems or processes in place where you you meet regularly or you have a, a certain place where you can air those emotions and feelings I would love to say yes, but no, we don't. Um, And I would like to think that one day we'll get to that. Um, But at the moment, yeah, things are good and and we talk quite well. And and, um, yeah, I would like to think that one day we can have that. But at the same time, we probably don't need it because we do, we are communicating well now and and, um, yeah, we don't need that formal formal time just yet to really iron things out because yeah we're just we're just baby steps (laughs) (laughs) well COVID-19 has certainly piled on extra isolation for farmers this year and yeah isolation is something that those on the land already have to contend with so it's been a Mm. bit of a double whammy how has that affected you this year uh it it's been hard yeah, I think I don't think there would be a single person, especially in Victoria, um, that would say that it's been a breeze. It's changed nothing. Everything's hunky dory. Like it has. It's been hard, and um, I suffer from the winter blues. I get 
um, I go through these waves of, you know, oh, just, you know, the winter blues, you just sort of bit down and out sometimes. And I feel like there's definitely some COVID blues going around. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it is hard because you're already isolated. Um, and then like we're in stage three at the moment. So, um, you're only allowed to obviously travel for, um, work and and groceries and essential items and things like that so yeah there's no I'm just going to pop around and see my mate and have a cuppa and talk it out or you know just catch up and socialize so you don't have those little breaks of off the farm socializing and yeah it's mentally challenging it is it is and I think it would be for everyone and I think at the same time incredibly lucky to be in the agricultural industry and for myself have like yeah 4,000 acres to spread my arms and whereas there's people like I've got mates in Melbourne who are confined to a unit and you know that's just it's hard and and I really really feel for them and so it's 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 easy to say that yeah we're doing it tough but there's always someone else doing it tougher so yeah. I guess you know living on a farm by yourself how important is it to to foster that self-awareness about your own I guess how you how you're going yourself because you don't necessarily have someone coming in, checking in on you all the time. So how important is it to have that self-awareness? Yeah, I think it's super important. And like, um, I think you need, yeah, you need to be in tune with yourself and you need to, and it doesn't happen overnight. You get to know yourself over the years and you get to know yourself very well when you work by yourself and spend a lot of time by yourself. And then all of a sudden you do just become a lot more self-aware and you notice when you're feeling lethargic and you notice when you're not motivated and you notice when you're, you're tired and all those things and they make sense. So what is it, what are some of the things that you do to support your own wellbeing and when you're aware that you're not tracking as you should? If it wasn't for COVID, I'd definitely um, go see my mates or call my mates and, and family and things like that. But at the moment, that's not happening so it's it's the next best best thing which is nature and and I definitely tune into just like the outdoors or um exercise and hobbies like at home hobbies and and things like that to just give myself that balance and that break from farm life and some that time to yourself and I think that's really important and I know that not all farmers find that important I know that a lot of farmers they're happiest when they're working all the time and, and and I really admire that about them but I think you need to be yeah true to yourself and if that's not if you're finding that you are unhappy at work then that's when you need to switch off and tap out and yeah do something else for yourself sort of thing. Well you are so active on the farm every day just through daily life is exercise mm. conscious exercise important to you? Yeah definitely yeah, it's healthy exercise. I find activities at work and things like that. You're extremely physical and it's physically demanding, but it's the kind of um, exercise that makes you go to bed at night drained and tired and, and achy. And healthy exercise for me is um, when I'm consciously choosing to exercise and, and giving myself that time to, yeah, have some peace of mind and clear, clear the mind and get the endorphins going and just, yeah, have that time to yourself where, work doesn't need you for that hour you can have that hour to yourself and your own thoughts and I think that's really important and that's super important to me to just have that time out to find balance and and to be then motivated for your work and 
and show up and be present. And so your property does straddle the border between all your properties, I should say, straddle the border between mm-hmm. South Australia and Victoria. Um, what's it been like going between the two? And I understand you just recently <laughs> had your first COVID test. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, yes, that was a traumatizing experience. <laughs> um, do we need to go into that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think I'm, I think I just had a bad experience because, yeah, I talked to one of my mates in Melbourne and she had to get a test to go into her um, lab and do lab work. And I said to her, I was like, oh, mate, how was, like, how horrible, like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, it was fine. Like, mine, I just had the thing up the nose and the swab up the tongue and I was fine. And I was like, I felt like someone played with my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like someone stuck a wand up my nose and was just like reading the thoughts in my brain. Um, so yeah, it was not pleasant. It was just a gross, like a gross, like a gross feeling. Yeah. Um, but other than that, crossing the border, um, has been, yeah, it's just been a bit challenging because we usually wouldn't go through the highway to get to our farm. So it puts a lot, a lot more K's on getting to the farm, which is nothing to complain about when people have lost their jobs and, and, and all sorts of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's just a different time at the moment and you just got to roll with what's happening and, and that's what we have to do to get to, to get to work. So farming is predominantly still a male dominated industry as a chick. What has that experience been like for you? Um, I've had a great experience. I don't think I've had any sort of bad experiences being a female and, and I admire and respect so many men that I work with and have learned from. And yeah, even though it is male dominant, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't, I don't see that. Like I don't, I don't think about that thing. Oh gosh, what am I doing? Like I'm a girl in this man's world or anything like that. I'm just going to work and doing something that I love. And yeah, it is what it is. And and growing up, your dad never treated you as a girl, really. No, dad was, if you want to hang out with the boys, you've got to keep up kind of thing. So um, I did. And, and, and I, I really value that about my parents that they never shaped me into, well, you're a girl, so you, you got to do this. Or they were just parents, supportive parents of, if you want to do it, you, you do it, but don't come crying to me if you get hurt kind of thing. Like, um, and I actually, I went and picked up a wool press um, a while ago. I was with my cousin at the time. We went and picked up this wool press and the farmer that we bought it off, he was just sort of baffled by me and he kept sort of asking me a lot of questions and he said, so... So you're a girl and, and, and you work on the farm. And I said, yeah, like I work alongside my dad and my cousin at the time. And he, yeah, he kept asking me questions about what I did and whether I did this on the farm and all that sort of stuff. And I said, yeah, I do whatever's required kind of thing. And he said, at, after all these questions, he just said, you are so lucky. You're so lucky. I know so many girls from this area that um, wanted to stay home on their family farms, but their parents wouldn't let them because they were female and because that they had to, you know, go off and, and, and do other work or things like that. And I really value mum and dad for never, never pushing me away. They never treated me like, you know, you have to go to uni or you have to do this before you um, get involved kind of thing. They were just like, whatever, 
makes you happy and whatever you want to do, you do. And, and I valued them so much for, for parenting and for, for just support, being supportive parents. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> mm, no, it's beautiful. And I think um, yeah. a testament to them and, and a testament to you for your hard work. So mm. as we know, rural, rural living isn't all roses and you've had some bumpy years mm. in the place, which is really fabulous but it's not always the case. What does resilience look like and mean to you? Resilience. Um, it's patient and it's important. It is so important. Being a farmer, I, don't, I think if you're, not, if you're not resilient, you're probably in the wrong industry. Resilience is, is pretty important, yeah. And I think that's what a lot of my farmers are made up of, resilience. And it's pretty high up there in priorities, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, with the farming and getting off the farm, what sort of self and professional development do you enjoy and why is that important for your career? I love to be progressing. And so as long as I'm progressing in my work and, and, and out of work as well, just that's my main thing. As long as I'm moving forward and the farm's moving forward and, and people are happy and um, I'm happy kind of thing. So, yeah. So what's next for the McLeod Enterprise and what's your vision for your own legacy? Um, good question. Um, I, can you ask me that like in a few years? <laughs> no. Um, I don't honestly think that I've quite figured that out yet. I think I'm still figuring that out. But at the same time, I've got lots of goals and lots of things in place that I'd love to tick off. But at the same time, I know that farming's not always as you plan. So I think I'm so conscious of that, that I don't like to set things in stone too much because you never know sort of what's around the corner or what the next season will bring. Yeah, I, I'll get back to you. <laughs> well, what, what gets you up in the morning? What is it that, you know, makes you fill up your cup of joe and get yeah. out that door, whistle to the dogs yeah. and keep going? Yeah. I'd definitely just say the land. The land is... It's a magical place and I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of magic in the bush and, yeah, it fills my soul and, and even though work's gruelling and hard and, and, and filthy at times, it's those mornings and those nights where you see the sunrise and sunset and that's what keeps me going is just the land and nature and, and what we're doing and what we're providing and, and being sustainable and just improving and and. and I've got a lot of ideas for the farm and a lot of goals and um, I'd probably hold back on saying them at the same time because sometimes ideas and goals cost a lot of money and sometimes farmers don't have a lot of money and it's balance and it's, it's, um, it's your years and how well they, they perform and, and it's all well and good to have massive goals and massive ideas but if they're not financially stable then it's hard to get too excited about them I think and, and, at the same time, agriculture is progressing so fast and, and so well and it's such a great industry, but I think it's really important to be realistic and I think I've probably learnt that over the years that, yeah, I come in with these ideas and it's probably not um, feasible at the time or something like that. So I, I want things to keep moving forward and I think as soon as they start to move backwards, that's where um, I'll probably reassess for myself and be like, is this the life that I want? Do I want to slog it out for the rest of my life like farmers have before or do I want to go work somewhere else where we can progress or something like that? But I don't know. I, I think um, it's important to just explore all your ideas and, 
and explore all your thoughts and yeah, be true to yourself. And, 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 and I don't know, and I'm like, if I'm happy, then, then things are going forward kind of thing. So yeah. Do you see yourself on the place in 20, 30, 40 years time? Are you 110% all in? Um, that is a great question and, and something that I ask myself quite often, to be honest. I am all in, but I think it's also hard when you don't have clear direction of, yes, the farm will be passed down to you or, um, yes, we'll, we'll do this in 10 years' time or, you know. Um, so I'm definitely all in, um, but at the same time, I'm also aware that that might not be a possibility. Yeah, I haven't got all my eggs in the one basket, but I'm definitely in the basket, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, I think it, it looks like a pretty gorgeous basket to be in. And, <laughs> and I, I'm really thankful to yeah get a glimpse into the life of Grace McLeod and, and the process and the journey that it's taken to get here. So thank you so much, Grace. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. It's a real privilege to be on. So thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Life on the Land with our guest, Grace McLeod. What bliss it is to share real conversations with regional and rural women. If you'd like to follow Grace's adventures, we'll leave a link to her Instagram account in our show notes. This is our second episode in an eight-week series we'll be bringing to your ears over the next two months. As an independent podcast, we would adore it if you could show us some love by supporting us. The number one way to support us at Grazy Her is to tell a friend or several. You could text them this episode and tell them to listen in or share it on your Instagram story. Take a screenshot of your app or show us how you listen by messaging or tagging us, whether that's when you're out checking the waters, baking at home, going for an afternoon walk or driving that long road home. This is a Grazy Her podcast produced by Manson and Company. <laughs>